0: I would say the best advice I've received in my career, it almost dovetails off the last question we just had, is you're never going to have your career fully mapped out, even though you'd like to think you would. So if I want to be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, here are all the different steps that I need to take. I'll never have that fully mapped out.
1: Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how ops is adapting to our modern world. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Modern Business Operations. I'm your host, Seth Colliner. And today I am with Stephen Ward. Stephen, thank you for being here. And just to start off, if you would just share a bit about your background and how you got to where you are and a bit about your current role.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Excited to talk to you and all the listeners out there who either are fellow operators or folks maybe wanting to get into the field. So excited to be here. I started my career in retail working at American Apparel uh, some people remember that company no longer exists but they had a good run i worked my way up into uh, corporate there and ran a lot of different operational departments i then moved into the d2c space working at a ecom watch company really cool experience there running operations and parts of production and manufacturing. And then I made a transition to the software industry where it feels like I did everything at the company except for programming and doing the actual coding itself. But got a lot of great experience there. We were a, a startup. It's called New Order. It was a B2B e-commerce company. We were then acquired by a company called Lightspeed, and that's where I'm currently at now. I am working as the director of strategy for the hospitality business. So a lot of my role is really just supporting kind of the overall direction, the direction and long-term planning of the function as a support to the general
1: manager. Great. Right. So we'll dive right in here. The big question we want to answer is here in the title of the episode. How can organizations become more financially and data driven? What's the best approach in terms of an operational cadence? There's a lot
0: in that question. I'll try and break it down. Just answering the first question, I think there's how do organizations become more financially and data driven? I would say the first thing that a company needs to really think about is just fostering a, a data-centric culture and that really needs to be embraced by every part of the business. So where that starts is with leadership, understanding what metrics they care about and communicating that out to every employee. From there, there just really needs to be continuous improvement on like how and where employees can consume that data. To know where you are from a data maturity standpoint, where you are on your data journey, that's super important. I think for some companies, they're working out of spreadsheets and data is limited to a certain set of people. And it's only communicated through like all hands or presentations, I guess in a non-recurring manner. But I think for more mature organizations, ones that have really fostered the data culture and develop a robust data collection and integration system and process those companies allow employees to have access to data through tools like Looker or BI. And it's readily available and easy to access and allows employees to make really good decisions based in data. So I think that's really what I would say, how to start to become more financially and data-driven as a company. And then there was a second question,
1: I think. And what's the best approach, just in terms of an operational cadence, to get there or to start at least?
0: I would say... The best operational cadence, from my perspective, is you can't do financial planning or embracing data-driven decision-making looking solely like at operational needs. It really should be rooting and understanding what's important to the business coming out of a rigorous strategic planning process. I think it's really important to be disciplined about that. I would say when you start that process, you have to start with the vision and mission. Those actually need to be built by leadership and reviewed constantly. I really don't think that can be overdone as it aligns everyone including people that work in data and finance and operations and it really brings meaning to their work. They really need to understand like why they're working on this and why it's important. So that's part of the first part of the process. The second part of the process I'd call strategic formulation. That's really deciding on what the competitive advantages are and and what differentiates a company from its competitors. I know that there's a realm of thinking out there that companies should be creating new markets, but I don't think that's the reality for most companies. And once you've done that process of understanding what your competitive advantage is and like where what markets you're going to be in, what products you are going to differentiate you, so on and so forth, then it's really about strategy implementation. And that, I think, is what we would consider the operational cadence. I think that isn't cookie cutter for every organization. But what I've seen work best is for early to mid-stage companies looking at an annual goal setting and budgeting process, and then the quarterly work being executed and measured to ensure they're on the right path.
1: Yeah. So it's a couple of things you said there are really uh, salient, I think. One, just about the holistic approach of understanding the larger goals of a business. And the other one that really stuck out to me was helping people understand what they're doing, like the value of their work, and how that really contributes to the execution of all those goals, I think. If people understand what the goals are, then they can see what their role is and tackle it. So I want to take go go level deeper and talk about from the business ops team perspective. You mentioned business intelligence, data analytics, Talk a bit about how the team should think about using it. So we're aligned with the larger business goals. We've established that. But now we have to go do this thing within that team. How do you approach that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Business op teams are my favorite teams. I've been part of them (laughs) my whole career. So I am biased towards them. So if that comes out in the way I answer these questions, forgive me. It's mainly because a lot of these folks, including myself, we have a bias for action. And we're a critical decision support mechanism for a company. And from what I've experienced is there's always time in a business operations function and day-to-day that needs to be allocated to ensuring the right data infrastructure is in place and at whatever level of data maturity the company's in. So I think that business ops folks play a key role in creating that data-driven culture. But I would say to answer your question, there is a certain roadmap that a company should have for data and the business operation folks are going to be informing what that roadmap is because generally speaking, we know what the key metrics are that the company cares about, all of the projects that are being worked on across the company and knowing in advance of what data needs we're going to have to support whatever we're working on. And so they're going to be a key part of that. So they're going to be working across product and customer success. By the way, I'm speaking mainly about a technology company and the functions within them. But just generally speaking, business operations are going to span across all of the different functions. I think for me, we're thinking about kind of the day-to-day. There's certain projects that are come up that a business operations team is going to run. And just fundamentally, those projects are going to require an investment. It's important to do the work to quantify what that return on investment is going to be. And it's generally possible to do that work to quantify it. I'd say that's really important in using the data and advocating for that and working with other teams. And then I'd say there's a ton of insights that can come from what I'd call leading indicators, so KPIs that are leading indicators of, we have targets that we're trying to hit every quarter, or even annually. The business ops function is going to have access to that data and understand it and be able to tell leadership or other folks within the business how we're tracking towards towards goals, right? How are we pacing and help put whatever actions need to be in place to help hit those targets.
1: This episode is brought to you by Tonkin. Tonkin's process experience platform seamlessly wraps around existing policies and systems, allowing internal service teams to do more with what they already have, build process experiences that are personalized for each requester, and use AI to automate the intake, triage, and resolution of every request. Maximize adoption, compliance, and efficiency with no change management and no code. Yeah, it's interesting, right, that there's so much do but also yeah the ability to track and see what where are we going right the tracking is a way to continually course correct and make sure the doing is actually <laughs> it's actually getting us somewhere and put that in mind what is maybe the biggest challenges or barriers that you think keeps organizations from becoming more financially and data driven and answer that however makes sense whether that's from the c suite or if that's from the ops level or whatever makes sense
0: yeah absolutely i'll start by giving an example that I recently finished my MBA and I had a strategy professor that in the class constantly reiterated the fact that you don't want to hear a bunch of I feel or I think statements from management in the company. And I think that was something that really struck a chord with me. And unfortunately, after hearing that, I started listening for that frequently. So I hope I didn't just ruin anyone's day-to-day. But once you start hearing that and thinking about that, you're like, wow, I need to make sure I'm not doing that. And in order to do that, you're going to need some level of evidence to support decision-making. And I think that is a challenge that you have to overcome. It's really getting into the right mindset. If I'm putting forward a recommendation, I can tell you exactly why I believe that. While not everything is... I guess, quantitative, there is some qualitative data that you can even structure in a way to make it quantitative if you want. But I'd say that is a big hurdle you have to overcome is just getting past that. I think I feel right. all experiential. Anyway, so that's one. The second would probably be that generally data isn't structured in a way that's easy to consume. And then if it is available and structured, then it isn't accurate. And there's key information or pieces of the picture that are missing. So say it is structured and it is accurate, then folks have a difficult time accessing it and being able to use it. Like I can download this set of data or view this set of data and then use it immediately. And being able to do that within five minutes rather than having to file a request and then it takes a week and then it comes back and it's not exactly the way you wanted it, so on and so forth. Those are, I would say, the biggest hurdles and ways to think about it to say, if I'm thinking like, all right, how do I implement the best data practices and data culture at a company? Is it structured and is it easy to consume? And is it accurate? And how quickly can I get access to it?
1: Yeah, that's all great. That'll make so much sense. I would add to it too. And feel free to reject this note. But when I was a few years ago, first digging into understanding today's data, right? The analytics and that kind of thing. One of the things that came up pretty quickly in all the literature and the, the best advice was the discipline of being able to communicate the data to people who they haven't spent time with it. They just want you to explain it quickly and that's all they're going to absorb. So the explaining it sort of the stakeholders. And there's also being able to defend is maybe too strong a word, but defend the position you've taken based on the data. And you're right. Like when you get to the, I feel statements, it's, ah, you are off the data track and now you are guessing. And the leadership can detect that sometimes. I feel statements are really important when you're managing humans, because you have to pay attention to how humans are doing, what their needs are. But yeah, when you're presenting data to humans, it's a different discipline to be able to say, no, this is what the data says, right? Because with a couple of different kinds of decisions, some of them are, hey, look, this isn't my opinion. The data is saying this. And so we need to make an adjustment. And I've seen this so many times when I was managing teams and then also managing up and working with company leaders. It's This is neither right or wrong. It's just a decision to make at this point. So it's a judgment call. Like Here's the data, but it's not saying for sure what we should do. So you got to make a call. And that's when you get to the, I feel this, I think this a little bit, because it's my responsibility to make this decision and I'm going to have to own it. I like how you parse that. I appreciated that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Yeah. And I will say, and you bring up a great point, just it's definitely about how you communicate it when you're thinking about the best way to use data. It doesn't do any good if it's not being communicated well, and you have to know your audience and your stakeholders. I would say that if we're thinking a bit more tactically about the BI tool that you choose, I'd mentioned Tableau and Looker being one of them. Like The visualization, the data visualization that those tools have is super important and can help people easily digest it. It can be as plug and play as just downloading the graphic and putting it into a presentation or just giving someone access to a dashboard that makes sense to them versus looking at a ton of numbers on a spreadsheet.
1: And you may think of something else too, going back to being aligned with larger business goals and understanding what those KPIs really are. When you go to present that data, you better be speaking to those, right? Because there's so many data points and how it goes, you get into the data, you get excited about a couple that look really good or interesting But yeah, you have to know when you go to talk to the stakeholders, they're like, I don't care about this or this, even if it's a good number, because these are our KPIs. If we're not meeting the KPIs, then
0: then we don't want to hear it. And you'd be surprised how often just looking at the results are maybe less important than wanting to hear about all of the leading indicators, like how we're pacing towards the target. (laughs) So I think that's something you have to take into account as well. Absolutely.
1: Let's talk about how to go about some of this just from an organizational standpoint. And and that could be company-wide or just team-wide, but tell us your thoughts on frameworks or methodologies that organizations can embrace like agile or lean and when, where, and how are those going to have the most impact?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I wouldn't say that it's necessarily a framework of methodology. It's more of a mindset shift. I'd say the first thing when I'm thinking about changing my approach from being a perfectionist and planning everything down to the specific action on a specific date for the specific person. It's more about not overanalyzing my decisions and just make decisions as frequently as possible and take action on them and then learn from them as quickly as possible. The more you're learning, the quicker you are to get to the result that you want to ultimately get to or the outcome that you want to get to. And there's been countless projects I've been on over my career that The milestones and deliverables were mapped out to the T over a period of time. And then over the course of that project, things changed. Things changed. It was just over and over again. Timeline changes that we have maybe a different outcome we're trying to achieve because we're constantly learning and being able to stay flexible and adaptable. That is, I think, super important. There are the frameworks. There's Sigma or just like Agile when you're thinking about and like Scrum. There's... Tons of different frameworks you can use. But I'd say it's really the mindset. Just because a framework isn't going to be cookie cutter, it's not going to fit the needs of every organization or project. Like if every stakeholder is like, all right, we're going to do this. We're going to work on this. What are the results? What did we learn? How quickly can we take either corrective action or new action to get to our outcome? That's going to keep us as lean as and moving as quickly as possible.
1: Yeah, I like that approach of not falling madly in love with the specific named methodology or framework. And it sounds like really more what you're advocating for is take those principles and apply them where it makes sense for your company. Because so I've certainly been part of named strategies or goal setting that totally makes sense and it maps well to the type of company and the type of outcomes. And I've been part of it where it makes no sense at all and it creates a lot of friction. It's like, this is a KPI that doesn't make sense and this is a way to get to it that isn't really what we need or want it's a very sort of grown-up approach right of hey these are great ideas let's take them and, and apply them where, where it makes sense and, and rely on our skill as leaders and team players to actually execute on it what is the the best advice you have received in your career
0: yeah i would say the best advice i've received in my career it's actually it almost dovetails off the last question we just had is you're never going to have your career fully mapped out, even though you'd like to think you would. So, if I want to be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, here are all the different steps that I need to take. I'll never have that fully mapped out. It's okay to have that long term career goal, but as long as I'm taking the next right step and being in the moment and on the journey, and then just looking up every once in a while to make sure that I'm on the right track is the best piece of career advice I I have. So it takes the stress and like burden and pressure off of making the right decision at every point. There are going to be opportunities that come along that, in retrospect, actually really helped advance me on my journey to getting where I want to go. And then also part of that is don't be afraid to change. Like Things change, people change, feelings change. Just staying flexible, I think, is is another thing that uh, I would say.
1: That's great. And as a final question, is there anything you want to promote or share about yourself? And if people want to try to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love meeting new people. I love talking about business. And so if anyone wants to contact me, the best way to do it is through LinkedIn. I use that platform as my primary social media. Yeah. So primary assumption of social media. So no Facebook, no Instagram, all about LinkedIn.
1: That's excellent. It seems that's what most people use these days, and it seems to work out pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. Stephen, thank you so much for being here with us today and sharing your wisdom, knowledge, and expertise. We very much appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Anything Stephen discusses on this podcast is his own personal opinion. He is not speaking on behalf of Lightspeed, nor specifically about anything going on at that company. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Business Operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at Tonkin.com slash pod. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the Tonkin community at tonking.com/ slash community.